Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win, including boosted same-game parlays for the upcoming NBA action after the football season. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive a special offer. New users can take advantage of WinBet's Bet $10, Win $200 offer. Just bet $10 and win $200 in free bets. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, and win bigger. And let's get after it. Bet 10, win 200 is not available in Michigan. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan... 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Welcome to the Green Light Podcast. Mm. It's a race day here at Studio J. Dale Earnhardt Jr. joins Chris and Kyle to talk about his love for racing, how much he misses it, the crossover between football and NASCAR, relationship with his father, and he gives Chris some tips on driving the pace car on Sunday. Chris and Macon open the show with Eric Church and some Richmond Toyota Owners 400 race talk. And then we end the show with some good, bad, ugly. And just a programming note, today's episode was recorded on Wednesday, as I'm sure you all know Chris is co-hosting Get Up. You'll find out more about that later in today's episode. But you'll get Chris's comments on Bruce Arians, Bobby Wagner, and all the other NFL news on our Tuesday show next week. Stay tuned. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Mike, I'm going to a NASCAR race this weekend. That's awesome. Richmond, formerly Richmond International Raceway, now Richmond Raceway. I want to remind people that for the Toyota Owners 400, um, they, they approached little old me through WinBet to drive the pace car. Uh, it feels like this is a practical joke. Like maybe the race car drivers uh, push me into the wall or something. You know what I mean? Are you actually driving the car? You're the driver? I'm driving the car. This is where I actually do support robots, like robots in sports. And we talk about like robots and umpires and where do we draw the line, but like robots driving the pace car, I would imagine would make things a lot easier because I'm super fucking nervous about this thing. Is there somebody in the passenger seat saying Kyle's like- in the back, dude. There's evidently like a pace car guide. Bare left. How far, dude? The track is wide. Bank, bank to your left. So we already recorded this interview. Kyle, my brother, who's a NASCAR fan, and I interviewed Dale Jr. And that's what you're going to hear in a few minutes. And Dale talked about this very thing. Like, he gave me some tips. It does not sound very easy, dude. And, like, generally speaking, I'm not real good at this stuff. Like I said, when I went to the 76ers game, uh, I told this to Jason Kelsey the other day. You weren't here, but I didn't know where to hit the bell. 
Like mm. they had me hitting the bell. Like I was hitting the bell in the wrong place. I think I hit the bell in the wrong place at first. Mm. It didn't make a sound. Remember at the Aspies when you tried to say thank you elegantly? And Is it, it awkward? Nah, a little bit. It's saved on my phone. It's, I don't look I at it I just get often. nervous, man. I don't like to be... And that's fair. Contrary to popular opinion, uh, you know, because I have a podcast and shit, but that, like everybody else, has a podcast too. I don't like being in the middle, the center of attention. And this feels like when you're the pace car, everybody's looking at you like, don't fuck it up. Listen, I had a blast the first time I went to a NASCAR race. It was, it was in Bristol. This is evidently another one of those short tracks, so it should be crazy. And I mean, I would say it's a dream come true, but I never dreamed of driving a pace car at a NASCAR event. So this is cool. My dad once did, um, he did the gentleman start your engines thing at um, uh, the big raceway in Texas, I believe, Texas Motor Speedway. Um, and there's an infamous picture of my dad. You know how he like adjusts his glasses? Yes. He's oh. adjusting his glasses and looking down and Britney Spears is standing right next to him. And so everybody was like, oh, Howie Long's checking out Britney Spears. He would never, <laughs> he would never, dude. That my guy, dad is an angel. That guy loves his wife. Loves his wife. So I, I know the picture well. Don't you know the picture to, well? Oh, yeah. Totally unfair. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you don't know him, right. you might think. But the guy adjusts his glasses every six seconds. Mm -hmm. Anyways, here I am, years later, doing something even cooler, I think. This is going to be really cool. I'm yeah. really excited for you. Yeah, I'm psyched, man. I'm, I'm really, I really am psyched. So I think you're going to do great. And I think that's really cool. And if I can make it about me for a second, um, top five uh, interview guests uh, in terms of FOMO, yeah, that I've been asked not to sit down was for that Dale, Dale Junior. Jr. Yeah, well, you sure. could have said that, but Kyle jumped on it pretty quickly. Kyle's a much like, better fit. Kyle's like, I'll be there. <laughs> I was like, Hey, I'm interviewing your friend next week, Dale Junior's. Like, oh, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm glad he was. You know, kind of like if I get to talk to say, um, I guess I don't have many interests. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> that is the truth. Maybe some YouTube guy that's a real estate mogul. Never been on YouTube though. No uh, offense to you know our entire effort on on YouTube yeah. or anything like that. But no, I don't. Evidently, go to that a lot website. of our listeners haven't been on YouTube either. <laughs> you got a hello before I get in this layup line. I, I sure do, Chris. Skokie, Illinois. Yeah. Hello. And I'll let me preempt your question. Why not? Cool Skokie's, name. Skokie's in uh, Cook County. How far Illinois. is that from St. Louis? Solid five-hour drive. Oh, never mind. Imprinted on my... It's a village in Illinois. Hello to people in Skokie. Oh, it's actually near Chicago. I think, I feel like everything's near Chicago, even though Chicago's in like the top right of Illinois. Everything seems to be near Chicago. Hey, one more thing. I didn't want to say this during the interview with Dale Jr. He, he described what it's going to feel like to have like all those cars behind me in my rearview mirror. He's like, it'd probably be like something that, you know, and he was, he was hinting at the fact that like it's it's the intensity is probably a familiar feeling to me, like driving that pace car and, and all the, the cars behind me just revving their engines ready to go. And he was like, it might remind you something and in my head the whole time. I'm thinking, OJ, <laughs> you know, like having all those cars behind you. And I couldn't say that during the interview. So as you listen to the interview, notice where I restrained myself and was an adult. Good for you. Kyle's OJ. I'm Al Collings. You know, OJ chimed in on Will Smith. I don't know if you saw that yesterday. Hello world. He, Hello, um, Twitter world. You should never resort to violence. Oh, no. Actually, he he um, he said he understood where Will was coming no, from. No, he did not, <laughs> Yes, dude. he did. I swear Imagine to you. Imagine that. 
All right, so anyways, I'm gonna go layup line. Do you have a favorite Eric Church song? Um, God, I, I've got a few. I really like Eric Church. I have a million, actually. We've seen Eric Church. We've together. seen Eric Church. Uh, I like these boots a lot. That's these just boots, off the top. These boots is great, and th these boots might. Can we do the live caught in the act live? Yeah, these boots. That's probably the most. Um, I don't know what the word would be. Uh, chalky pick we could have gone with out of our favorites. I also like Mistress Name Music, Sinners Like Me, Springsteen. Everybody loves Springsteen. Everybody from every walk of life loves Springsteen. Talladega, speaking of your weekend. Oh, yeah. Round Here Buzz, Smoke a Little Smoke, Jack Like Daniels. a Wrecking Ball. That's I love about Jack sex. Jack Daniels. How about you? And uh, guys like me. I'll give you a deep cut, solid, but we're going to go with uh, Pledge Allegiance to the Hag. God, what should we do? I, I'm going to let you pick after I tell you why we're doing Eric Church. So I stand with Eric Church. Eric Church made news this week because he, he had a show in Texas. Uh, Saturday night, Texas, and uh, unbeknownst to anybody that bought, you know, plane tickets or tickets to the show and whatnot, he has decided that uh, UNC basketball takes precedent over uh, his concert that was scheduled. So he said, "I can't sing Saturday night. I am out on the concert, uh, and I am going to watch UNC and Duke." And I stand with him. All hands on deck. We need everybody. We need Bradley. Manic, Brady Manic, whatever the fuck you want to call him. We need Eric Church. We need the ghost of Dean Smith. We need, fuck, the chief. Didn't he go to UNC? Robert Parrish? He did not. Where did he go? Well, we need the chief anyways. <laughs> okay. Where did he go to college? Uh, Robert Parrish College. Eric Church went to- Oh, the Centen <laughs> Centenary College of Louisiana. <laughs> Why did I think Robert Parrish went to UNC? Um, Eric Church went to App State. Yeah, like most UNC like and you, like fans. most UNC fans, and that's what I was gonna say is like, listen, this is the one time I'm gonna respect like the the army of UNC fans that did not attend UNC, which is the the, the vast majority of their fan base. At least this guy's a Carolina guy. He is a Carolina guy. Um, and speaking of Carolina guys, one more reminder: we have Dale Jr. coming on in a couple minutes, but. Eric Church is a Carolina guy. He grew up a UNC fan. At least he picked right out of the two, you know? Um, and he wants to see his team play, and I totally get it. This is what I would do if I was talented and I had a, I had a, a tour. Like, if there was something that was important to me, I'm probably going to make arrangements so that I could see the game. Or if I was doing the show, maybe I'd put, the, like, where they put a teleprompter, just have a TV. I'm just back there soullessly belting out sinners like me, and I'm watching UNC beat Duke uh, behind the heads of whoever's at the stadium. Reed, where do you land on this with Eric Church? Well, as Ryan Rossillo pointed out, Fish stayed behind the stage to watch uh, the Final Four. and Is he going to the game? Who's this, that? Eric Church? Probably. I would imagine. Get his he feet would. on the wood. No, Eric Church. Eric Church like, has got I, his feet I on the wood. I love Eric Church. You don't think Eric Church has got his feet on the wood? That's a tough there? ticket. And that game's not going to tip till nine o'clock. He couldn't belt out a couple tunes from seven to nine. Get in that's, front of the TV. That's where I, no, I think he wants. I think he wants to be. Is he? Go I ahead, Brian. That was why I was asking. I was just going to say I think he could have found a way to sing a little bit. He could have found a way to make his mm -hmm. fans happy and then watch the game behind backstage mm -hmm. or. Somewhere else, he could have he could have sung some songs. Somebody's got to take the other side of this thing. I love and Eric maybe, Church. I, I love Eric Church. So UNC and Duke. Yeah, and we hate Duke, and we need everybody. All hands on deck. We need the chief. We need Robert. <laughs> we need 
We need Eric Church. We need chief and church. Yeah. Chief and church. It sounds like Eric will be having a drink in his hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. That could be the tune for layup line. We left that out. Why don't we just do these boots? These boots had to see California in an Arizona morning where God paints the sky in these boots. These boots. You. You out on the road <laughs> must have a code. This is addressed to Eric Church. Yep. He's got to have a code that he can live by, and his code includes skipping concerts for UNC basketball games. I stand with Eric Church. I said that on Twitter. You should know that if I put a hashtag before most things, I'm fucking around. I had a hashtag, I stand with Eric Church, and I had like angry fans with real takes who aren't even going to the concert. Like, Stop being so fucking offended on account of everybody else. I stand with Eric Church, beat Duke. I was combing through his Instagram to look at a couple comments. My favorite one? Ooh, cold one. Woke, comma, done with you, exclamation mark. <laughs> hey, that's how sensitive some of his fans might be that like he's going to watch a sport that most of the players are black, so he's woke. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you draw the straight line from wanting to see a basketball game and being woke? They packed that arena in Denver and you, in, in, in the one in Salt Lake City. Are those people all woke too? Incredible the way some people's brains work. All right, so we're going to get to uh, Dale Jr. in a second here. Driving the pace car on this podcast too. Big announcement. You want to do it? Sure. By the, time, uh, by the time you're listening to this podcast, I will have fucked up my TV debut on Get Up. Greenlight host Chris Long will be appearing on ESPN's Get Up, starring Mike Greenberg and a host of others. Yeah, Thursday and Friday morning. Maybe as you're listening to this, you're drinking coffee. You're not caught. You're getting your coffee. fix. Coffee. Are you, you're on Thursday and Friday, huh? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Are you nervous? Yeah, a little bit. I am nervous because it's not my avenue, dude. It's not what I do. You know what I mean? I do this. This is what we do. What if you kill it and you're great and you decide you don't want to do this anymore? Dude, I have to wake up at 5 a.m. There is no chance on God's green earth I would ever do what those people do for a living. That's right. Not just that. I have to go through my suit closet to find a suit that actually matches and works. Like, I know it's jeans and a sport coat, but you got to have like... You're wearing jeans? Jeans and a sport coat. Fuck yeah. That's what they do on that show. I called Ninko. He does that too. He does the show all the time. Why don't you? Why don't you put on a a, a, suit? a, a coat and tie? Yeah, really? I, I'd like for you to. What does Greeny wear? I don't think Greeny wears a coat and tie. I think he wears jeans and a sport coat. Bolo tie. Wear a bolo, bolo. tie. Ooh, a wear bolo, bolo would be good. Kind of try hard. Yeah, too try hard. That's right. Glad we workshopped that. Good idea, cowboy. But yeah, no. For don't somebody that. else, that might work. Okay, jeans. All right. Okay. What color sport coat? Uh, what, what? something in the blue family? A blue? Yeah. Not a red. A red's Both too days. like red. Blue red's too intense. Like actually, a, like a burgundy, like a, a port wine. I mean this seriously. Like you've you're you're stylish enough where you can pull something like that off. Most okay. of us out here are are in the blues and the grays when we're wearing a suit jacket. Okay, but you're not going to judge me if I've got a little flair. No. Okay. What do I do on the you, show? How would I fuck this up? How would you fuck it up? Yeah, give me, besides like just. Stone Cold Steve Austin graphic t shirt. That would fuck it up. Yes. Okay, we're not going to do that. That wasn't on my packing yeah, list. Yeah, don't try hard on the wardrobe. No. They'll take care of your hair and makeup. Yeah. You're New looking, haircut. You're looking. Shout out to Dana. You're looking good. 
on that front. I mean, not like. Shout out to Lori as well. Not like one, two weeks ago, good, but good. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, two weeks ago, I just shaved my face. No, and you had like sun on your I face. I looked like a guy that, I, I looked like a carny yesterday. Dude, today I look like a guy with a little waterfall, that's all. Yeah. Don't say anything racist. Check. We're good. Misogynistic. Check. We're good. Okay. Um, I think if you were boring and lame, that would fuck it up. Okay. Try to be myself, but not too much. Right. Be a little bit yourself. But not too much myself. A lot yourself could go wrong. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. What areas of my personality would be the wrong thing to showcase? Hmm. Um, thinking that everything that possibly could go wrong will go wrong. Okay. That's more of an approach, I guess. Go into it. Being Do you like, know that I won't be producing this show? This will be tight. I won't be producing this show. I think just getting getting into a good headspace, though, is important beforehand. Okay. Because drink, it, you think I'll drink coffee? That's the bet we need to take. I think you will. You think I'll drink well, coffee? Uh, follow up. Will you be doing drugs the night before? Oh, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Will I be sleeping? You might need a little coffee. No, yeah. I don't need coffee. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but not because of the drugs. They'll probably get you whatever you want. May I recommend uh, Cortado. Cortado? Cortado. What's a Cortado? It's an espresso with some milk. A okay. little, little splash of milk. You're trying to set me up. I'm going to go on set no dog. for a fucking Cortado. You're going to be like, that Chris Long, he was solid, but uh, he's high maintenance. That's true. Yeah. Black coffee, straight. Black coffee. You more nervous for Get Up or for the pace car? <clears throat> Probably Get Up, because it involves like a social situation. The great thing about being in that pace car is really there's nobody I have to talk to other than like. And uh, if you crash it, it's legendary. <laughs> Oh like my it's god, a dude! Like straight into turn three, just boom, right fender. I mean, that'd think be about a, all the things that could go wrong in there, dude. Can, can you? Can we talk about content? You put that thing into the wall. That would be awesome. Can I do a live stream, a green green light live stream on our YouTube page of if, me doing the pace car? If just Kyle's set up a in fucking, the back, set up can the he phone. hold can up he the phone? The, all right, we're gonna be live streaming that pace car thing in some form or fashion. Can you please? I'm gonna be live streaming. Get up. Please. I'm gonna set my phone against my Cortado and be like, no problem, just Saturday. It's just I want to live stream this thing for my podcast. They're probably gonna make you sign something beforehand saying to you can't not, do that. Not plug my podcast. But they can't NASCAR can't make you sign anything saying my hand slipped. <laughs> I'm not crashing the face. User car. error. Come on, dude. No. Everything would be delayed for a good 15 minutes. It'd be Chris Long, green light, idiot. It'd be great. No, crash the pace car, wear a full green light podcast jumpsuit, and they got to pull me out of the <laughs> yes. fucking, out of the window, yes. you know? It looks like he's okay, and he's obviously wearing the jumpsuit of his moderately successful podcast. It's brilliant. It can be found on YouTube, Instagram. Honestly, wherever. what's holding you back from <laughs> doing that? That's not even where it can be found. Instagram. What's holding you back from doing that? Like decency, human decency? Decency, human decency, not making it about me. But, I mean, a lot of people work here. No, I understand. So how can I help the people that work here over this weekend? We have a couple big things going on. I got to go on national television. I got to go in a race car. I'd like you to drop us some Easter eggs on Get Up so when we watch it, we know you're thinking about us and the listeners. I will. Say Macon, but not like as okay. a verb, like my name. Macon. M-A-C-O-N. Well, no, I, I think to be fair, I need a little latitude here. I'm gonna, you guys want me to say Macon, I'll say Macon. Okay. That's like one point. 
Maybe like Macon Gunter. No. To, no. I don't no? Think so. Oh, my co-host Macon Gunter just said this the other day. You should say green light, but not in reference to the podcast. Good, 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 good. That's smart, Perfect. cowboy. That's like five points. That's smart. Oh, that's green. Five. Roxanne. Yeah, five points. Five points. I can say Macon about anything. Say Roxanne. Say Cod. Roxanne. Yeah, say Roxanne. But the people don't know what Roxanne is because it gets cut but, out of every show. That's our cut that's word. For the exactly. Folks at home. People that know that it's your cut Shout word, and Roxanne. our millions of Greenlight listeners will know when they hear Roxanne. Roxanne is like up. a fifty-point word, dude. Yeah, so fifty-point Roxanne word. In. People at home don't know what Roxanne means because but they will we now. cut Roxanne. Roxanne is what I say when somebody says something like where I stumble over a word really bad or we have to stop and start. I say Roxanne because in the beginning I wanted Reed to know. Like if he was just sitting there, like you know, had six browsers open, that he'd be like, "Oh shit, I got to cut." Right. You know. No, it's smart. And you're a perfectionist. I've kind of let go of some of that OCD. Like right there, I just this stumbled a bit, and I wouldn't say Roxanne because well, I just I keep Notice it moving. I'm not saying it either. I keep it moving. All right, so Roxanne's fifty points. Say backwards, Superman. What? That's what I taught your son to do yesterday, and then. Oh yeah, that was a bad. <laughs> that was a bad thing. I walked upstairs. <laughs> My kid was jumping backwards off the couch when oh, Reed was in the room. I've got a Reed kid was doing setting that too. up equipment, and, and Luke was going backwards, jumping off the couch and landing on the couch. Yeah. I've got a 14-month-old doing that. It's a little worse. Like you, I'd like you to get it? some expressions in. I think these are five-point expressions. Five points. Wahoo wah. <laughs> Grass is always greener on the other side. Grass is always greener. Oh, we're going cliches. That'll be, that'll be a quick way to get you not invited back. Stanford Steve, worth two points. Stanford Steve. Mention Stanford Steve. Tease God? No. Cod God? Just no God. Are you doing any, any sort of religious? Nation of Islam? Any, anything religious? Anything religious? Religious reference. How many points for religious reference? Ten points. Ten points. Next man up, minus five points. Oh, if I say next man up? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not going to say that. What do you mean, no, no, no? I'm not going to say next man up. Everybody who goes on there says, next man up. Grass is always greener. I want minus five points for cliches. Okay. You got it. Yeah, hydrated. Hydrated, 10 points. So right now we've got Macon, one point. That's the lowest amount of points that you can get from our list. Then grass is always greener, five. Minus five. Uh, green light, but not in promotion of the podcast. You get 10. Religious reference is 10. <laughs> Stanford Steve is two points. Hydrated, five points. Next man up, minus five points. Wasn't there like a 50 point? How many in points there? do I get if I say Dr. Facts? <laughs> um, you going to put me in the minus on that one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. The problem is, if you do reference Dr. Facts, Dr. Facts, they so might start calling you Dr. Facts. There, there's going to be too many Dr. Faxes. What like if, if I take if, his name on national television? It's such a cool name that they might, like, by Friday morning, they're calling Big you Dr. Facts, Chris Long. Big ups to us circa 2019. Mm-hmm. That's where he got that name. Roxanne. Roxanne was on the list. Roxanne. Did I say liquid death? Throwing liquid death? Oh, yeah. Let's get more sponsors. Yeah. Shout out Big Tony is worth 10. Shout out my dog. All right, man. I'm going on Get Up. Wish me luck. Good luck. Thanks. All right, so here comes Dale Jr. Uh, as soon as I let him onto the pod, because I am the pace car. 
Can't start yet. The interview can't start yet. Can't start yet. You can stop short. Stop short on the pole drive, pole, you know. Do you listen to music in the pace car? I don't think there's a radio. Mm. All right, here's Dale Jr. After that, we've got a little good, bad, ugly and get you out of here. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to see what all the hype was about. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. And it tastes great. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It kind of has a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. I recommend it to the whole Greenlight crew, especially Cowboy Reed. And now everybody's feeling spry. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Athletic Greens is also a climate-neutral certified company. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com greenlight. Again, that is athleticgreens.com greenlight to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is something I've been waiting for for a while. Um, Kyle's an enormous fan. I'm a fan. Uh, and and uh, we've got Dale Jr. on the line here. How you doing, Dale? I'm doing good, man. I'm uh, at the house in North Carolina. And uh, we live just about probably 30 minutes north of Charlotte. And uh, we've been super busy. Um, the race season's sort of going. Uh, the NASCAR race season's about five or six weeks in. And, uh, so we got all that happening. I'm a broadcaster for NBC and, uh, we kind of picked the season up in the midpoint in June, July. So you got to kind of stay focused on what's happening. So you know what you're talking about when you get in the booth. Um, but we got a lot of other things going on too, man. Just real busy, two kids, two girls, um, running around in the other room and, uh, ear infections and sinus infections and boy dude i'm telling you it is the season for that (laughs) they bring everything home it's crazy man yeah they sure do um so since you're doing the the races now is it easy to just detach yourself from them or is it hard like do you do you get kind of like the competitive juices flowing while you're wearing your, your suit i think that uh i think when i'm there's you know there's not a day that goes by that i don't think about racing or driving a race car or wish I was racing. Um, it's kind of funny, you know, it's like, uh, you remember when you were young and you, you had this girlfriend and, and, uh, man, you really, everything was great. And then, you know, you found a few things that maybe you didn't, didn't, didn't appreciate or didn't like, or, and, or maybe she found something about you. She didn't like or whatever, but y'all split up. Right. And, uh, you're so relieved. You're like, man, you know, that, that really wasn't working for me. I'm kind of glad I'm out of that relationship. (laughs) And then, uh, time goes by and you're like, man, I kind of miss that girl or I miss that relationship, man. There were some cool things about it because you only remember the good parts. Right. Yeah. And then you make the mistake of getting back together. (laughs) And in days you're like, oh, damn, 
I remember that part. I forgot about that. I forgot about this and the other things that were annoying. And uh, then you break up again. You know, it's, uh, it, it, I think, you know, for me, racing is kind of like that, that ex-girlfriend, you know, you, you only, you, there were a lot of things about it that were frustrating and got losing sucked. And, um, there were some tough days when it was, and it would eat at you all week. I know you guys can understand that when you have a game that just bothers you and you can't let it go. You can't wait to get back to play the next game or race the next race. You can try to redeem yourself. Um, and that's a, that's a frustrating, miserable existence sometimes. And, um, so sitting here today at 47, several years removed from driving, I do miss it, but I know that, um, I still know that I made the right choice and I'm where I'm supposed to be, but, and it's okay to, to miss it a little bit. I think that kind of helps me in the booth have genuine passion, right. For what I'm watching. That's a great point. Yeah, I mean, because you can kind of hear it when somebody's into something. Yeah, when, yeah. like my, last year, I did the booth a little bit. Yeah, for studio, for CBS. and I was like, I was across from your guy, London Fletcher, there, Dale, and yeah, yeah uh, he, him, and I it felt like we were game day every day. Like he's over there dancing in the corner, but while they're counting down thirty seconds, I'm getting ready to go. I got an eye on one TV watching Mitch Trubisky, who's a teammate of mine. Uh, and I'm sure you're the same way. And you got guys out there in your cars on different uh, nights of the week. And uh, you got guys that you like. You got guys that you're renting properties to, uh, yeah. I, I heard on the podcast. Um, mm -hmm. So it's it's interesting to hear you in the booth. Well, it's, it's I totally get the analogy because I almost came out of retirement. I went back for a second. And just in meeting with a coach, I was like, yo, fuck this. This is the thing I don't <laughs> miss about yeah. football. Um, just the meeting, dude. Um, but what did you, what do you miss about her? Is it like, you know, like the wink, the smile, the, you know, like the way she, you know, like brushes her hair. Like, what is that one thing that you miss about NASCAR? Cause I'm pretty sure you could in your giant ass backyard, go drive fast. Yeah. I, um, you know, I'm, I miss, I've tried to, I've tried to really articulate what it is that I miss. And I, when I think about it, it's, um, you know, I miss battling with somebody one-on-one. -on -one. Um, there's a trust with that person, you know, and, uh, when you're out there racing, you, you're going to, you're going to put them in very difficult situations. They're going to put you in difficult situations, but you trust each other, not to take each other out. Uh, and even though that happens sometimes, but, um, I, I enjoy battling with a guy, you know, a real good, honest race and, and beating and banging a little bit, getting some tire marks on my car. I love getting out of the race car after, after the race and walking around it and seeing all the marks and the, the, you know, kind of like, uh, uh, and I, I you know, you, you got a football. It's like a helmet. It's just like the way <laughs> hey, you're driving that. Hey, look at this helmet, bro. I used to in training camp, stand in the mirror and look at the bruises on my forehead. How twisted yeah. is that? If all the grass stains are on the front, that means you were kicking <laughs> ass all day. If, if nothing was on your back, you're going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. So if all the tire marks are on the left side, you were getting passed. And so. A long time ago, I was a big Washington. I've been a big Washington uh, yeah. fan all my life. And Sorry so about that. And it's been tough since 91. But uh, <laughs> Dave Butts gave me a helmet, and I've got it. A game-worn game helmet from, I believe, the 1985 season. Uh, but, uh, this thing is beat to heck, man. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, this is exactly like, you know, when you look at that helmet, 
you you know that you it's, it's the same thing as getting out of the race car and looking at the scars on the car and looking at, at the beating and banging that you've done on the race car there's some pride and in those hits and those moments that created that, you know, that, that dent or that mark on the car. And, um, so I miss stuff like that, the nitty gritty and the dirt, uh, that you get under your fingernails. And, um, I don't miss, you know, the, the meetings, the, the, the constant, you know, you gotta live it. You can't half-ass it. You can't be in there halfway. You gotta, it's gotta be part of every day. It's gotta be our, a priority every minute of the day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, family's got to sacrifice. Friends got to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice any kind of social life and, um, and all your, you know, all the things that you want to be doing otherwise have to take a back seat. So, uh, sim racing and things like that, that I love to do, uh, hanging out with my buddies, drinking beer, stuff like that. No, that doesn't happen as much when you're, when you're a hardcore racer. Kyle knows this. He's got buddies around here and we both live here in Virginia now, but like I got a bunch of high school buddies that were still tight and I feel like I missed a whole bunch of chapters of people's lives. Mm. You know, like I missed weddings. I missed the birth of like my friend's kids. Like, yeah. And that's really hard. Now I was lucky enough to not have kids until my 10th year in the league. So I knew the end was near, but like how much did that suck to miss things? I mean, like your kids relatively young. How old are your kids? Uh, my little girls are three and one. So you didn't have to miss anything. So you actually yeah, drew it up. Is that intentional? No. Um, I didn't, you know, when I was racing, I was super selfish and I really didn't feel like I was missing anything. I was, everything was about me. I was yeah. every short was about me. And, um, so I was, I was living for me. Uh, and now that was that, that, uh, that's probably why I didn't have kids till after I retired because I didn't put, um, my relationship with Amy first, uh, you know, I, uh, we would, you know, we'd say, you know, we're never going to have kids. We're never, we, we even said at one point we weren't getting married, but, uh, <laughs> you sound like we, me for a long time. <laughs> I know. You know I, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. It's the best be thing honest. ever. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. I'm so, it took me a while to be honest with you. It, after I got married, it took me a few months to get to, 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 to forgive myself for, pushing that off. And then when we started having kids again, I had to have this sort of, uh, I had to forgive myself for, for lack of a better way to articulate it for waiting so long to make that part of my life. Now I wasn't responsible enough in my twenties to do that, but you know, I'm 47 years old, you know, when I'm, when my girls are graduating high school and going to college, I'm going to be, uh, pretty far up there, you know, and I hate that. I, I hate that. I have to, I hate that I can't, you know, I can't, I hate that I didn't enjoy this sooner or try to make this part of my life sooner. It certainly made my life better. It's exactly what I needed. All those things, the cliche things that you hear people say about being a father or having kids. Um, but I, I should have, I, I think I would have be better off today, uh, had I done that sooner. And, uh, but hell, you know, it is what it is. I had a great time and, and, but I was really, really selfish. You know, yeah, be, but, but you know uh, what, not to, it's your life, man. I don't, we don't know each other well, but I'm just saying like, I just feel like if you have, if I'd have had my, my two sons, if Waylon and Luke came along at like year five, I wasn't ready. Right. You know, like I, I just wasn't ready. Oh, I couldn't imagine The way that. my brain was like, it was so committed to what I was doing and anything else that got in the way was such a, like a fucking nuisance almost. Like, I don't know how that would have been. And I wasn't mature enough. I was fucking crazy. You know, like, saying. so yeah. So it's like, 
I know probably you're like, damn, I wish I had done this earlier, but maybe you wouldn't have been your best self as a dad either. No, no, you're right. And, but I think around my mid thirties, I needed to, I, I, I was ready. Yeah. And I probably, I probably put it off five or so years. Uh, you know, yeah. again, it's not, it's not a big deal. You but. get to be the cool old dad, dude. Those are the cool. I remember <laughs> the older dads in high school were the coolest ones. So that's going to be you. wise, wise, and a lot of good wise. stories. Just keep your, you're great at telling stories. Just tell the kids I lo- stories. I love your pod. Just whenever, whenever anything else fails, just tell a good old story. And people will be happy. <laughs> we all have something a little bit in common here talking about like, another thing is my moves in fatherhood were instructed by my dad and what he said, like, which is that he always wished he, he was more present when I was, when he was a player. Cause I was the firstborn and you know, I was born in the heyday of like crazy ass Howie Long. Like not You calm. were born in 85. When he was like Tarzan. So he played another eight, nine when they years. Be, when they beat the Redskins. I was born wrong. about when they beat the Redskins in the Super uh, Bowl. <laughs> Mark May. Yeah, Mark May, yeah. his favorite guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't know, man, like, uh, that kind of instructed me and like having a dad who played and all that stuff, I, I feel like it helped me, but it also, there were a lot of like impediments too, like pressures, people doubting you, people doubting your accomplishments. Like here you are driving a car as fast as you can and winning races, I'm sure at certain points in your career and there's still people side-eyeing you and hating on you. I, I don't want to assume that, but that's how it is in football. Uh, what was it like growing up with your dad as one of the biggest names in American sports? It was frustrating sometimes. Um, there were there was a it was a double edged sword. You know, it presented uh, an immense amount of opportunities. It opened all kinds of doors for me. I was racing side by side with other drivers that I became friends with that didn't have a last name, didn't have a lineage, had to make they were they were the the beginning of the line right in terms of their race car driving history in their family. Mm. And, and so I, I could, I, I understood that, you know, it, my way was easier. My path was easier because of my name and my dad, but people would be shocked to know the reality, how he was not really hands-on and he, me and my dad never sat down and he never set me down and said, Hey, this is the way you drive this corner or you can, you can go faster if you try this. We never had those moments. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, it, I, I guess it, he felt like, yeah, yeah, damn, I can't explain it to him. He's got to go out there and do it. Just mm-hmm. learn it. Right. I don't think he was intentionally standoffish or just, he certainly was occupied with his own career, but, um, you know, it, it, it I don't think that he was, his way was wrong, but, I just want to make it clear that like I ran 159 races in the late model stock series, which is basically the kind of the beginner class or, or a beginner class in the early nineties. That was sort of my, my cutting my teeth. And he, as far as I know, never saw one race, you know, I know as far as I know, he was not on the property, uh, and, and, and watching me drive. Uh, he was, there was always a race that he was at or another thing that he was doing that kept him away. And so, you know, where you see a lot of these dads, they're, they're there, they're present, they're watching, they're observing, um, they're, they're part of the process, right? Um, that wasn't the way it was for me. We had a really awkward, awkward relationship, 
Um, we did, we did, I did, we did not know how to communicate with each other without arguing. Every time that we, every time that he came to me, I felt like that it was a, you know, a finger in your face or in your chest going, you need to do this. You need to get, you need to try, you know, you, you need more initiative. You know, it was always pushing you to like, you got to show more initiative. I wasn't, I wasn't there early enough. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't where I was supposed to be all the time, you know, and my mind wasn't on what it was supposed to be on. That was the way it felt every time he come at me. And, uh, I still loved it because he was Dale Earnhardt, right? I, any, any, any interaction with him was great. Um, but I remember <laughs> the first trophy that I won, we, me, and my, me and my buddies, we went down and raced at Myrtle Beach, and we won the race. The guy that was winning all the races down there was a regular, and his name was Robert Powell. He wasn't there that night for whatever reason. And, uh, so we win the race. We got the trophy. We're happy as hell. We came back home and we set it on top of the Lance cracker machine in the corner of the shop. And when dad walks in, I'm waiting on him to see that trophy. And he looks at it. And the first thing he says is, was, I guess Robert wasn't there. <laughs> and I was like, damn it, man. Oh, I was, my it, God, I, dude. I, know. I mean, literally that's what he uh. said. Yes, Robert wasn't there. He already probably knew. Somebody probably already got in his ear and told him. And uh, and and I'm like, shit, man. I mean, here I am winning my first race. I just I'm doing what you do. Like I'm I just won my first race, and that's your profession. And I'm 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 trying to make this happen. I'm trying to trying to be a driver. And uh, boy, it didn't matter. <laughs> uh, so that was kind of tough. But I will I want to make sure. Uh, to, to say like in 98. So that was, that was, it was, like I say, it was real awkward and kind of, I was, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to get on his level. I didn't know how to impress him. And, uh, and, uh, in 1998, he put me in the Xfinity car, uh, to drive for him, uh, the, this blue AC Delco number three car. And we won races and won the championship. Uh, right out of the gate, it worked flawlessly. It was it was amazing, and right in that moment, it completely changed our per, our relationship was the same. I, we were on the same level. He wasn't intimidating to me anymore. It wasn't awkward anymore. Um, you know, I spent most of my life going to my dad and just running through my brain trying to think of something to say. Every moment you're around, and like, what can I say that he would? What what could I say that he would care about? What could I say that would make Make him notice me, right? Yeah, it sounds familiar. This sounds eerily familiar, my man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all that that came to an end in 98 when I started winning in the Xfinity Series and won a championship. Then my dad started looking at me as a business, a prospect, a a future. He's like, man, this might might work out, and you're going to fit right in. You know, and then I became part of the conversations about the future, about the business, about the company, and, and then we started talking racing, you know. Uh, it was crazy how it shifted so quickly. At what age did you get the method to the madness, or do you think there was a method? I don't think there – honestly, um, I don't think that Dad saw a whole lot of potential in me up until 98. I'm, uh, maybe around 97, he might have saw a couple of little, you know, glimpses – of potential, but, um, I wasn't, you know, I was lazy and, and occupied by other things and, and still trying to race. And I thought I was focused. I thought I was, 
you know, dedicated to racing and, and making it work. But, uh, I don't know. I, 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 uh, around 98, 99, I, you know, we, we won two championships back to back in the Xfinity series and that's sort of the college level of NASCAR. So the next thing is the cup series where dad is at. Yeah. And, and so we, when we started having conversations about going there and I, me going there and me driving for him, it really got serious. And, uh, and then we announced this mega deal with Budweiser at the time. It was the biggest sponsorship in the sport. And he was super, he was beaming. He was so proud of himself, everything. It's all, it all kind of started to make sense then what was happening and what, what we, what we could accomplish. It's just incredible. It's like, it's such an intense relationship. Yeah. You know, like in football, I'm never going to have to play for my dad unless he became an owner or like a coach. I mean, he yeah. tried to coach our he did coach our high school. Yeah, in a, in a way we were kind of mercenaries for our dad. No, dude, he, don't on the football that. field. So, like Dale, it's some fucking little when giant my, when situation. my younger brother, when my younger brother Spike, moved to varsity, when my younger brother moved to varsity, <laughs> yeah. he became the quarterback and my younger brother Howie Jr., he's about 5'11", buck 85. Like a little Johnny Manziel type with a yeah, mouth right. to match. Right. And uh, <laughs> I wasn't a football player. Chris was uh, an All-American at the high school. Right. Uh, but he was at University of Virginia right. now. So he, he was out of the picture. Right. I, my, I, I said, Dad, I want to play football, I think. And he said, Kyle, it's not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I mean. And, 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 and he said, your brother Chris is different. I remember him saying that. From a young yeah. age, your brother Chris is different. He's wired differently. He well, said, you, he said you, you took a long he time said, to grow He said, you are into... so happy in baseball. I don't even know why you would even bring that up. And I said, no, Howie's going to be the quarterback. I want to play football. I'm going to switch schools to play with him. So I went over there to play. And similar to when you said you went to the B car and started winning all those races in the AC Delco, I remember the first time I put hands on somebody in football and the look my, the, the, my oh, dad gave my son. me, I had, never, <laughs> I had never warranted that look from him before. And when he looked at me the first time like that, I said, Oh, we're on to something here. Even if yeah. I'm, even if I'm not having fun. So I get how you became so good at football. I can drive this on, bitch. You were, to, you were trying to impress Dad exact. the whole time. So when he's saying, <laughs> I'm, I'm saving up things to say to him. I want to just get a reaction. Like I can relate to that so much, and it makes so much sense to me. But you know what? To, to be honest, though, and I like Dad was always. He did a really good job of being like he he didn't want us to play football. He kept it real. I don't know if 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 your dad wanted you to race like because right. of the inherent dangers like in in your sport and ours. Like my dad tried to steer us away, but it was like once you were in it, he was going to be brutally honest. Yeah, he said there's no half step like there's no half step in here. Like yeah. if you do this, yeah, there's one way in. to do it. Yeah, you're all in. So that's funny as hell. Was your dad a, also a Redskins fan or was there a different? Oh, what was his so, name? Uh, yeah, he pulled for he pulled he liked Montana, and so um, he was more uh, a fan of individuals, mm-hmm. particularly if he met them. Um, but also, he pulled against whoever was playing Washington. So uh, <laughs> it's just the ultimate they, villain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he's he like, was. you can't even have a fucking football team, bro. <laughs> I decided I'm an Eagles fan. <laughs> I'll never forget in I think '84 when the Raiders beat Washington for the Super Bowl. He pur- he purposely we sit down to watch the game, and he knows. I mean, I'm 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 all in on John Riggins and the Redskins, and so 
Um, he start, He's like, oh, I'm going to pull for the Raiders. <laughs> and boy, did they destroy Washington. <laughs> when, when Theismann throws the pick six on the nine-yard line, yes. I, I literally cried in that moment. <laughs> and my dad sitting right beside me clapping. <laughs> and I, I was like, come on, man. This is so brutal. That's it was hard cool. enough watching my team lose. Then my dad's over here celebrating it. That's fucking classic. The underdog Raiders, I believe. Yeah, I think they might have been dogs. I think they might have been They didn't dogs. look like underdogs that yeah. night. All right, so tell me this. You really got the, the, the Washington broadcast piped into your car while you're driving? Well, so my spotter uh, at the time it was a, is, is a Bills fan. He's from Buffalo. TJ, shout out to TJ. TJ, yeah. And so TJ knows how much me and both him, me and him both love love football, love the mm-hmm. NFL, love our teams. And he goes up to Bill's games in the middle of December on purpose, right? He, this is, he, it's like, he has to go to a game that's, that's eight degrees, two, two foot of snow. He makes his wife and everybody suffer through all that. And, um, he doesn't even drink. I don't know how he does it without, without having some sort of alcohol in his system <laughs> to be in a situation that, that, that ridiculous, but, uh, he's dedicated and yeah. he, and so he can appreciate my dedication. And so I would say before the race, you know, we would talk about who our teams were playing and our fantasy lineups and all that stuff. Cause we've been in the same, we've been in a fantasy league together for two decades. And, uh, and so under caution, I would be like, Hey, TJ, what's the score of the games? And he, he hit the, if Washington was winning, he'd tell me if Washington was losing, he would just say, I, you don't want to know. And he wouldn't tell me how bad they were just getting. Keep hitting your marks. So yeah. he, didn't, he, didn't, he doesn't know the sc- would, he didn't know the score a lot. Yeah, it would absolutely <laughs> affect the, the way I was feeling or driving the car, you know, because it would it would, you know your personality. Well, what's the angriest you ever were about Washington while you were actually on the track? Oh man, I can't remember exactly the the race, but there was a game. They were they it was they were playing some you know, one and 10, two and two and eight team and getting beat by two or three touchdowns. The and I'm might've been the Rams. I might've been in that game. I might've been <laughs> on the side of that motherfucker, dude. Y'all were the yeah. only team we could beat early. I was, so, they were so, oh man. I mean, everybody's teams like this. They're, they, they win games as they shouldn't and they lose games they shouldn't. And yeah. it's just so frustrating. Are you, are you okay? Uh, we've got a, you know, a, a Carson Wentz character coming to town. Yeah. How we feeling? I'm good with it. You know, I, um, you got to look at the, the last, I don't know, 15 quarterbacks we've had. So we're pretty much used to, uh, putting anybody back there and seeing what can happen. And there's been, more there's been years where we went into the start of the year with bigger question marks than Carson Wentz. And, and honestly, I don't know. I don't understand. Nobody really is talking about why Indy wanted to get rid of him. Um, but he had some good moments last year. Um, you know, there was some bad moments too, but, uh, Heineke was fun. Great story. Uh, is he going to take us to the promised land? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> this is a big talk yourself into it. Kind of like it. Hey, this is perfect. Because I've done the same Heineke thing. I was, is fun. I, I was on a pod yesterday and they asked me about my buddy Carson Wentz and is it going to be, and I did this whole 30 second yeah. like, well, yeah. there's some good, there's some bad. It could be great. Is he going to win? I don't know. Like, You're not going to fool anybody with any ideas about Carson. Everybody kind of knows what he is and what yeah. he's capable of. I think if we surround him with a great team, and our defense does what they're supposed to do, we could go places. But um, 
That defense, you know, man. That defense. The defense is your hope. That defense is your only only hope. Not they're only scary. Hope. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't argue, I don't disagree with that. I think our defense is, no oh boy, <laughs> the girls are having fun. What's scary? The commander defense or or Dale's house, dude. Right, so, <laughs> um, no, I, speaking of the commander defense, that fight on the sideline. I, do, you've seen worse fights on. Uh, on I'm talking about the road. Are they yeah. throwing down like they Jonathan throw down Allen, down Deron there? Payne? Yeah, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. Somebody connected the Washington sideline. Yeah. You know they care about football. They care about racing on pit row. Have you seen, like, what's the best fight you've seen on pit row? Um, probably Daniel Suarez. Um, he swung on somebody at Phoenix a couple years ago, uh, Michael McDowell. <clears throat> and so, um, you know, a lot of times when the guys get in arguments, it really never even comes to physical contact. There's people breaking it up or whatever. They just don't ever go there. Mm. But Daniel went over there to make it happen and uh and it was it was interesting man i I don't think any of us expected that out of daniel and uh so you know we rarely see it in our we rarely see see that in our sport but uh i was kind of surprised to you know see the we got it up here we got it up here we're watching it while you're talking we're seeing daniel strut over here like oh yeah he's he's got the i'm gonna punch somebody (laughs) yes Oh, this is oh so, shit! They're throwing down. He's beating the guy so with the helmet. He's got up. some. He's got some Greco-Roman skills. He slammed skills. the guy with the Daniel helmet. Does. I saw a hip toss in there. He got hand control, and he broke. Oh, so in football fights, the big rule is don't take your helmet off. Yeah, like our dad growing up was giving us tips. Even in the friggin' line after the game, Dale, when you go shake hands, you double buckle that thing because you never know when you're going to run into an Aaron rule. Donald who is doing the same thing. Yeah, I know. So that's in in NASCAR. If the other guy has his helmet off, you better get your helmet off because the because the social media and fans are going to go. Why'd you keep your helmet on? Were you scared? Got it. Oh, oh it's like ho- I mean, yeah, it's like hockey or something. Like let's yes. throw down. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's just the same way. So if you see two guys arguing and one's got his helmet on and the other doesn't, you're thinking, well, the other guy's either he's smart, he knows this guy could throw a punch, uh, exactly. but he's also going to catch some hell from social media. I, I like when the guys just sit in the car and the one dude runs up and yells in the window and the other guy's like, I'm just here in my car. All right, man. Just like yeah. get away from my car. Dude, I, <laughs> I, I love, I love, I love the fire in, in, uh, in pit row. I think it's, it's pretty cool. Um, all right. So this weekend I'm driving the pace car mm. at the yeah. Toyota owners 400. I am a Toyota owner. So this feels right. <laughs> it's perfect. And I'm going to bring my large brother in the back seat, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm riding in the back seat. Okay, yeah, Kyle's yeah. riding. Do you have any tips for me? Like, what's a big no-no when you're driving the pace car? Well, um, I don't even know stay, what I'm doing, dude. Yeah, so so you're <laughs> you're at the front of the formation of of, of cars, and they're going to be two by two, side yeah. by side. So you need to center your car in the middle of the racetrack. Don't go down to the bottom next to the apron, or don't go way up the racetrack you need to be always kind of centered uh, almost uh, in the middle of the groove there. Uh, so it looks good on TV and the photo ops all are good. Um, they'll tell you about the pace that you need to run. It's got a speedometer in there and, and all that. Cruise, That's cruise control. You think? No, I don't know. I doubt it. I don't, I don't remember. Cruise control is such a bad thing to ask a race car driver about. Is there a line in the middle of the track, Dale? No, no, there's not. Is that going to be disorienting? No, I think what's going to be fun for you 
is look in the mirror and you're going to see 40 cars behind you (laughs) and they're going to be, they're going to look like rabid pit bulls Mm. staring at a T-bone steak. And you're going to feel some, you're going to feel this, you're going to feel this unique energy off of that group behind you that you probably could relate to something. Um, but maybe not. I, it's, it's very special. I remember when I went to, uh, Indy, I drove the pace car at NASCAR races at Daytona 500 and at Indy. And when you look in the mirror and you, these guys are ready to do battle. You can appreciate that. They're getting ready. I mean, the moment's here and they're getting ready to run this race. You're going to pull off the racetrack and you're going to set them free, right? You're going to turn them loose. That's such a weird, cool feeling. And it's a strange energy and emotion, man, that, that I'd never felt before in my life. And so, uh, it's a powerful thing that, that visual of looking in the mirror and seeing those guys, knowing what they're getting ready to do and how focused they are. And you can see them, you can see them in there, you know, you can almost see their eyeballs, uh, from where you're going to be. And, uh, maybe one of them will pull up beside you and rev up the motor and mm. maybe tap, tap the back of the car. Yeah, hopefully Kyle oh, Bush, hopefully Kyle Bush is not behind my brother. Right. <laughs> I hope somebody taps. Yeah. I hear Kyle Bush might tap me. So, all right. There you go. And my pick for the weekend is Martin Truex Jr. By the way, I just picked it out of a I don't know a, a hat almost, but um, yeah, no, I'm 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 looking for a favorite. It, it kind of reminds driver. me of the two minute drill in football when the referee has to run in and place the ball, and all the guys are already on the ball. And it's like, oh my God, get in and get out. No, it Chris. reminds me. Get yeah. in and get out. Honestly, the way he's describing it reminds me of the fucking guy working the rodeo gate, dude. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's you know what I mean? Too. It's like when I open this motherfucker, it is on, dude. Yeah. yeah. And plus, you get the sounds and everything. I've only been to one race. Um, actually, as an adult, I've been to one race. Did you go to Bristol. Bristol. Yeah. So I went to Bristol, and you know, like you right away without a ton of information on like what I'm walking into, I'm kind of like. This feels old. This feels awesome. Like this feels like traditional, you know, and like that was confirmed by hearing from people that knew these short tracks are like where it's at. If you like the, the purest kind of, am I, am I right on that? You're right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, is, is, is Richmond the same way? Yeah. Richmond's been around forever and, uh, you're right. The short tracks are, the short tracks are a kind of a nod to the history or the roots of the sport, but also, a lot of the drivers learn their craft at short tracks, yeah. right? We don't, we don't jump in race cars and start out on a mile and a half, you know, two mile racetrack. We start at these smaller venues that are dotted all across the country. And, um, and, and so there's a, there's a, there's an appreciation for the guys that can do that really well or compete really well on the short tracks. Um, it's kind of this, not a lost art, but it's very, very rooted in our history. Um, <clears throat> I think that, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, it's, it's a, uh, if any of the guys do interact with you, if any of the guys do come up there and, and swerve or rev the motor or do whatever, it's a sign of appreciation for having you there. It's a sign of respect that they're glad that you're doing that. And so, uh, I know you probably will know that in the moment, but, uh, uh, I, I remember when I was on the front row of any race, I absolutely knew who was driving the pace car yeah. and I absolutely knew, absolutely knew whether that, that was cool for me, or I thought that person was cool. Right. Yeah. Or I was glad that they were there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's really cool when we get people from other walks of life, uh, come experience our sport from a unique perspective, like driving the pace car, right. As opposed to just standing in a suite somewhere. Yeah. And so, uh, 
uh, I know that the guys on the on the grid will be excited to have you. Well, I like being down in it. I got to go down in it when I was in Bristol, um, and I walked right by Richard Petty in the in the underground hallway. And I, that guy yeah, has a oh. fucking like an aura, dude. Like that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, I'm telling you. You <laughs> yeah. know, like when they said in the Dave Chappelle skit that like Rick James had an aura. I've yeah. been around so many people. I walk by the king, right? The king. And the king had like I got goosebumps. The king had like a glow around him. He had his yeah. hat. Like people behind him. He just was like walking from here to there. And you just kind of the Red Sea parts. You're like, yeah. that's him. I've heard like, some tall tales about his hat. Can you tell me about what's on his hat? That, I don't that really fame, I think it's like somebody said it was like a rat, like a raccoon a bone or something. Or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh. That hat has its own aura. You have yeah. the, the Richard Petty <laughs> oh, weather no. system, and then there's a weather system around his hat. But I, going down in there, I thought it was really cool, like meeting a lot of the pit guys, like because there were a lot of them. They were like, "Yo, we played each other." Like, yeah. there's a lot of football players down there that are doing pit row. Talk about yeah. like the, the demand for football players and athletes to come be yeah. those people. So our pit crews uh, changed the tires and, and, and refuel the car in a matter of 12 seconds. And so it's a, it's big, you know, in 19, in the eighties, the same guys that built the car and took the car to the racetrack did that job. Yeah. And pit stops were 24 to 30 seconds. Uh, and, no one ever, it just never dawned on anybody to go, you know what? This is an athletic thing. This is something that could get faster. We really need to try to figure out a way to, 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 to find athletes to do this, uh, to, to, to change a tire, to carry the tires around the car, to jack the car up, run the, this, you know, 80, hundred pound jack to run it around the car and do the job to get the car off the ground. And so, you know, a person like me, I couldn't jack a car. I don't have, I don't weigh enough. I don't, it would, I, I do not weigh enough to actually get the jack to pump and lift the car. And so it takes a beast. It takes a strong person with a lot of weight. Anyhow, over the years, uh, we, you know, guys started kind of filtering into the sport very slowly, uh, that had athletic backgrounds, played sports, whether it was pro sports, college sports. And now that's all we have. There's not a guy that goes over the wall that doesn't have some sort of athletic background and um which has been really entertaining because for me as a driver i almost got two sets of guys i got the guys that build the car right. and then i got the guys that pit the car and they're not never the same people there's never a guy that built the car doing the pit stop it's they're all athletes they they're they work real that's all they do they train every single day they they practice pit stops every single day and uh and they'll do a truck on Friday night, they'll do an Xfinity car on Saturday and they'll do a cup car on Sunday. They'll pit all three of them. And so, uh, and then there's, then, you know, what was even crazier is in the last probably eight to 10 years, we've got a big group. We've got a, we've got like second string. Yeah. Uh, yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a backup, uh, tire changer, a backup tire carry, you know, just like we basically just mimic, y'all's model in the NFL yeah. as a player, you know, where we have a second string and a third string. And these guys, uh, they're, they're, they have, they have absolutely the same similar injuries with hamstrings and different mm. things. 
and you'll bring that second string guy up and he's trying to take that job. He's trying to, he wants to play on Sunday, oh, that's right? Interesting. Yeah. Oh, it's the exact and they same give scholarship. Thing. They give scholarships for universities that have these programs in place. I'm not sure the, the proper terminology, but if I believe you, that NASCAR does have a, a way. If you want to get involved, Chris, NASCAR would, has a way. I would, I would like to leave this job. Yes. <laughs> First, Dale, your podcast, what's it called? Like, what's it about? And then like, okay. you said earlier, something that's really interesting. You knew who was driving the pace car. It sounds like a lot like we know, like one time when we played Miami in the last game at the Orange Bowl, The Rock was there doing the coin toss. Mm. You always know who's doing the coin toss. <laughs> so who's somebody that you fanned out on, like having on your podcast the same way that you might have, uh, you know, driving behind somebody? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. What? I mean, that guy. Uh, he was, uh, he, I, he was amazing. I was, I was a big wrestling fan back in the eighties with Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA and, and watching that as a little kid. And, uh, in my house, we weren't allowed to watch wrestling cause I, it made me too hyper, but, um, <laughs> I would still watch it. Um, and then I, and then I quit watching after a while and then Stone Cold Steve, you guys must went through the same thing. Yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin brought me back, man. I'm watching wrestling again, and I'm like, this guy is legit, right? His whole image and persona and everything is perfect. I, I love it, and then the beers and all that. And uh, so to get him on my show was one thing, but then he was really open to being. He, he talked about anything, yeah. You know, uh, he, you know, I've always wondered about uh, color and blood and how they cut and why they cut and how how they hide it. And, and when they did it, when do they decide this is happening? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and all that shit. So, uh, and he was like totally open to discussing it all and, and unco- peeling back some of the layers, you know, uh, of the business, which was really interesting. Awesome. And so, uh, and it was great. And, it, and, you know, to meet your heroes, sometimes you're a little nervous about meeting them. Uh, and you definitely don't want to be disappointed, but he certainly, I was so glad that, uh, he was amazing. So that was pretty cool, but it's called the Dale junior download. We record every, uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, you can find it on all major podcast platforms. Most of our stuff's going to be NASCAR and NASCAR history. We just had, we had a lot of guys that have been in the industry, past drivers and stuff like that to come on there and tell their stories and what they're up to today. And a lot of guys that are in the sport today, but, uh, sometimes we'll have a non racing personality, and so, uh, and that's always a good challenge. That's great, man. Uh, mm-hmm. Look forward to, to to diving into that one. I'll start with the Stone Cold. Uh, I was at wrestling on went on Sunday night. I'll yep. send you a picture. I had the Stone Cold uh, jersey on actually. So um, <laughs> check that out, Dale Junior. Thank you so much for for the time. Very gracious. Thanks look, a lot, dude. Look for a, a pace car where the back end, the ass end, is kind of like <laughs> dragging a little bit this weekend. That'll be me yeah. in the front, Kyle in the back, yep. and uh, Toyota owners four hundred. Thank you, Dale. Appreciate the time. I appreciate. I appreciate both y'all's friendship and uh, I hope you guys have a great time in Richmond and can't wait to see you soon. Thanks so much, man. Catch you soon. If you're in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I got great news for you. WinBet is now offering $200 in free bets for new users. That's right, 200 big ones. WinBet is basically giving you free money. Don't pass it up. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789.
I would like to sign Grady Dick to a futures contract for the All Vibes team. He's committed to Kansas. McDonald All-American. He's a good player. Derek Lively is also a really good player. Derek Dude's going to be stacked. You know, he's even more stacked. Arkansas. Really? The Hogs got three top 20 kids coming in next really? year. Yes, sir. Anybody but Duke. Yeah, Duke will still be good for a little while. I stand with Eric Church. Not for a long while. Um. All right. <clears throat> Do you like that interview? That was a great interview. Favorite part? Middle. Coincidentally, that was a really good part of that interview. Um. Yeah, man. Hard not to like Dale Jr. Legitimately. Honestly, like, he's one of the greats that I've met respective to their sport. And, you know, I've, I've uh, talked to him online, texted with him recently, setting up this interview, and then just doing the interview is the first time I really sat down and talked with him. And, you know, it's Zoom, but honestly, love the guy, dude. What a cool-ass dude and down-to-earth, and his stories are amazing. He's a great storyteller. Hope you enjoyed it, and we, we hope to get him back on again. So That was an awesome interview. I, I think my favorite part was watching your face progressively get more nervous as he talked about the pace car, though. <laughs> was it was it like did i get more nervous you started to it, it looked like it was dawning on you like oh shit i could fuck this up spectacularly i could absolutely fuck this up and i if i could fuck something up i fuck it up biggest compliment i ever got was from greg roman rolling ball of butcher knives he meant on the field uh and i think just off the field as well i can be the same way so i hope it's not like that with the pace car yeah anyways i'm gonna try not to there's no lines on the road Please, please put it in the wall. I'm not putting it into the wall, dude. But Dale said he likes to fucking kind of rub up against the wall because he said his favorite part of, in the interview, which you heard, of course, but his favorite part of racing, the thing he missed the most is getting out of the car and seeing all the marks on his car and saying like, well, I just battled. Rubbin's racing. So what if I just took it to the extreme and was like, as a pace car driver, I want to see some marks. I wonder if there is, is there a reverse in the, in the pace car? If I drove it backwards, yeah. I've been, you know what I've been saying a lot lately? I've been teaching my kids, I'm the backwards man, the backwards man. I can walk backwards fast as you can, I'm the backwards man. Freddie Got Fingered is going to turn 21 in the next couple uh, months or year. Like that is an old movie now and it's a good movie. Is that, is Tom that Green, Tom dude. Green? That's the genius of Tom Green. What was the other one where it was a road trip? On the backwards I think man, it is called Road Trip. <laughs> I did that. I swear that was real. <laughs> hey, Tom Green had a meteoric yes rise and fall. Well, I don't think in Tom Green's mind he fell. I don't think Tom Green was ever after being a superstar. I think Tom Green just went away. Just Tom Green. No, yeah. I think he does like podcasts now and that sort of thing. Well, for a, we should get Tom Green on the pod. Good call. So he can absolutely shit on you for saying he had a me- meteoric fall. I don't think he ever went anywhere. Tom Green's still part of my lexicon. We're, we're, his, we're his demo. I'm sure he'd love to come on. Daddy, would you like some sausage? I haven't seen the film. <laughs> I'm just going to keep. Daddy, would you like some sausages? No, if you'll excuse me, I still have some work to do. Daddy, would you like some sausage? Daddy, would you like some sausages? <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie, dude. You and fifty six percent of the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I'm in the majority. It's one of those ones you can't trust the critics. Critics, you can't it. trust the critics on some movies that are like just they're worth their weight in gold in small spurts. Anyways, these days it seems like life forces us to be on all the time. So every now and again, it's important to stop and reset. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 
You know, it's a hectic time of year between weddings, graduations, spring sports, and more. We're busier than ever right now. Uh, and it's my favorite season, if I'm being honest. It's a great season to take a second for ourselves in the midst of all this craziness. So this year, take a second to enjoy an ice-cold Coors Light because you deserve a beer that's made to chill, much like me. The mountains on the bottles, cans, uh, you know, like they turn blue when your beer's cold. Come on. This is a chilling beer. You always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit a reset, just open a Coors Light. I can hear it right now. Mountain cold refreshment. Get Coors Light delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash Greenlight. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Good, bad, ugly, shall we? Let's do it. I had a good, which is the NFL. Do you want me to start with the, the NFL stuff? Yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. We're off and running now. <clears throat> Isn't that what Hut Greeny hike? says? Greeny says that, I think. But hike! If you want to go Back up there, if you want to go up to get up and work with Greeny, the grass is always greener. Do you want me to come with you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You want to go? When are we back? Friday. Uh, be a good time. Escape your family. Not that you think of it that way. Um, uh, that's two bath times. No, nope. I'd like okay. to see you guys waking up at 5 a.m. together. Oh, well, actually, I think I'm more equipped to do that. No offense. Dude, honestly, when I wake up at 5 a.m., I'm wide awake. I don't, I don't drink coffee. I'll wake up. I will go out. This is me, like as a dad now. And back in the day, I couldn't do this. But being a dad of multiple kids, no offense, yeah, multiple. None taken. You still have to live your life, but the morning comes. And like, Smash even, mouth. When I Smash mouth. even when I sleep in, even when I sleep in, air quotes, after a hangover that started with a night out till three, four in the morning, I'm up by eight. Yep. So like, I work on four hours sleep after I drink. Like, a 5 a.m. sober with my notes, headed to a production meeting in a sport coat and a fucking... You know, marine layer, marine layer jeans. I'm good, dude. Yeah, no problem. So we've got overtime rule changes, and like I feel like I saw the last crazy overtime in playoff history that that you know happened under the old uh, set of rules. I was there. I was there for Buffalo and Kansas City. I was there. That was the that was the game that we're trying to avoid, even though it was like one of the best games of all time. It could have been better. We could have had more of that game. Only the NFL has set up a circumstance wherein the biggest cash cows within the sport get kind of ushered off the field. I'm sure there are instances in other sports where you could take better advantage of like your best games, but the NFL has left a lot of money on the table, in my opinion. I know it's a physical sport. I've played in overtime games. I played an overtime game in 2012, I think, against the, the Niners, which we should have won at Candlestick Park. Danny Amendola had a touchdown call back. We would have won that game. It ended in a tie. It ended in a tie, and the first time they, they lined up to kick a field goal, I didn't know the rules of overtime, if Are I'm being honest. Are you serious? Honest. Like, kind of, it was hazy. It was like, I'm not really sure what happens if they make this kick. You're Donovan McNabb. Maybe you want to be Donovan McNabb, because at least you're admitting you didn't know the rules. Like, I think there are plenty of guys who didn't know the rules all the time. Because you're not thinking about overtime when you set out to play a football game. You're thinking about winning the football game. And then when overtime happens... Uh, you might be too afraid to ask the question. And it totally goes against, you know, there is a situational element, but 
try to get a stop. That's kind of where your head's at. Long story short, they changed this rule, I guess, around 2012. They amended the old rule, I think, which was flip a coin, the team that gets the ball first, uh, it's just sudden death. They didn't always get the coin toss right. I think Jerome Bettis was the victim of one of those in the Mm -hmm. 90s. Um, That was one of those remember where you were when it happened things. But since 2012, when sudden death stopped, I believe, and this is much different than the regular season where games have been kind of split 50-50, depending on the coin toss winner, um, as far as who wins in overtime. If you took the numbers in the playoffs from 2012 on, I think it's like 90% of the teams that, that win the toss win the game. That's too high. It's way different than the regular season, which has been has, has kind of hovered around 50. So there's a reason they're changing this rule. The rule change is going to come into effect immediately next season in the postseason, not in the regular season. Why are they doing it that way? Because they don't want games that drag on in the regular season where you're trying to just get to the postseason. You don't want to lose a bunch of people where you have a regular season game coming up in six days or four days or whatever it could be. You could be playing in... Uh, you know, an hour long overtime, you could accrue 30, 40 extra snaps and have to go play Thursday night football. Nobody wants that. I think it's okay to draw a line in the sand and say, this is regular season, this is postseason. I think they do that in hockey with some of their shootout stuff. Yeah, they for sure do. And, and I like this rule change, but I almost wish they would go further to protect the players in the regular season, just eliminate overtime in the regular season as Macon kind of alluded to previously. Hmm. And just get to a tie? See, I think overtime, the juice is worth the squeeze, but I agree with the NFL that beyond like their, their current format in the regular season, I think it gets a little risky. I think the juice is worth the squeeze. I think we get really dynamic, thrilling games. Maybe you could do something off the board down the line to make games that are ties, like Detroit and, and, and Pittsburgh, that bizarre kind of like, are we playing to win? Are we, are we playing to tie? That happened this season, I believe. Um, Maybe we could kind of figure out a way to on the spot decide games that are going to be a tie. Um, but I think they're on the right track in the postseason. Ninety percent, you know, slanted to the team that wins the, the coin toss is too much. Um, and it was Indian Philly that wanted to amend these rules. I mean, they they were the ones that brought this forward to a vote, and it was a resounding yes, twenty nine to three. I wonder who the three that said no were, and why. I would love to know. But again, 50-50, depending on who wins the coin toss in the regular season since you know a, a decade uh, ago or so. But in the playoffs, 10 of 12 coin toss winners have won the game in and, overtime. And so, so what are we doing now? Touchdown, <clears throat> extra point, other team gets a shot, they can score, and, and they can go down and go for two if they'd like. First team can go for two if they'd like. No question. And what are we doing if, if both teams score seven points? Then it points? becomes sudden death. Like okay. after the two possessions, I believe it becomes sudden death. Yeah, Matt? That's the case. Yeah, that's right. See, so this coin toss still matters a little bit. Like, you still want the ball first because if oh, both teams score. Oh, I disagree. I don't want the ball. I want to know what I have to do. I don't want the ball necessarily Ooh. because I want to know what I have to do. It, it can be liberating to, to be in four down territory. Like, honestly, Is like. a turnover? If you, if you have four downs to get 10 yards because, like, your existence as a football team depends on it. It's scary for a defense because they're running plays on a totally different kind of shot clock. I mean, yeah. their goals for first, second, and third down are much different. Like, you have that extra down to play with. If you come out and you're playing with three downs because you don't want to turn over on downs backed up, 
Like I kind of feel like that's sketchier. Another thing is you hate receiving a kickoff. I hate receiving a kickoff. I know that like you want the ball first, but it's just like being on the road. There's another, like you're on the road in the playoffs, do you want the ball first in the playoffs? Like if, if it's a kick. Oh, thanks. Because it's gonna be loud. You know, you could ha- it could be three and out, a punt. So you could get the ball at the 50 yard line. Field goal. I mean, that's games start like that all the time. St. Louis Rams, I thought, I thought the St. Louis Rams, I thought the script was for eight years on the road, three and out punt. I thought that was the script. (laughs) I thought they had that written down in the fucking script. And then they had it scripted for their offense. It was either a 30 yard return and they're starting in the red area, uh, people running around, people cheering. Like that's the, the the cautionary tale of getting the ball first in postseason, I believe. The only issue with kicking off, which I would do, as you guys are are alluding to, is both teams score seven points, then it becomes sudden death and you don't have the ball. But if I'm the second team with the ball needing to score seven, I, I probably score a touchdown and go for two. Oh yeah, because you can do that and win, right? Yeah. That would do it. That's right. I still would take the ball first. Excuse oh, yeah, me. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, think I think it depends we'll on the context the of the game. I think it depends on the context of the game, how you feel about your matchups. You know, are you on the road? It's hard to score, Matt. You know? I know some people don't believe in momentum because of the word momentum. Like, it's just like, it's some magical word. But momentum is just the context around the play. I mean, and so momentum could be, well, our last three possessions, we went three and out. Hey, our right tackle just went down late in the game. Our right guard's cramping. I don't know, it's loud as fuck. A running back who got 30 carries the first three quarters is out of the game. Or, hey, Eli Apple's on the other side. <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> just to that. follow up, it was the Bengals, Dolphins, and Vikings that voted against the rule change. Interesting. And here's the thing that, that snuck under the radar. So we think that overtime rule amendment is good. Like Universally, probably people uh, think it's good. Yeah, good. They also are keeping an experiment that they basically ran in 2021, and this is going to affect games, um, I think, even more than the overtime deal, um, is it, it, it deals with the onside kicks and where they set it up. And last year, they changed the setup for onside kicks. I forget exactly how, but we saw an uptick in recoveries. Uh, the, the rate of recoveries doubled, you know, like essentially doubled 7.8% in 2020. I think in 2021, it was 13.5%. So... I mean, like, that is a huge jump. That's where it needs to be. And that's where it needs to be. Yeah. Because there's no point in having an onside kick. There's no point in having something that that happens 5% of the time. You know, it's good for the NFL when an onside kick gets recovered. It's fucking crazy. It's one of my favorite things in sports. I might even like a a 16% success rate. Yeah, juice it up a little bit more. I mean, not crazy. Not like one in five. But getting there. It just goes to show you how lucky the Seahawks were when that guy from Green Bay dropped the onside kick. I mean, not like Sunday hop, the whole thing. What's the success rate on a Sunday hop on an onside kick? I mean, like, anyways, I hey, digress. One, one in seven. Y'all know what one in seven is? That's 14.3%. I like that. One I in like seven. That. That's good. That's good. Because there's an onside kick in at least probably three or four games and three games a week i would bet right yep three four games a week i don't know i might be way off on that but um if we can get you know one every two weeks that's pretty exciting yeah uh okay that's my good 
Yeah. Here's a good. Uh-huh. Uh, Tiger Tiger Woods, y'all, played a round at Augusta mm-hmm. National. Mm-hmm. See, now I get why everybody likes the Masters. It hadn't dawned on me until this year and the, and the very generous uh, folks at, at WinBet. Uh, all you people wager on golfers, and that's fun. Yeah, I'm going to try that this yeah. year. Yeah. So Tiger's probably going to be a long shot. Long if he shot. Plays. Something fun to root for. Yeah. Tiger is Buddy Lee, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. He almost lost like his legs. You can't keep him down, dude. Mm-mm. When I here's the thing, and this further proves my um, my Reed knows what's coming. This further proves my hypothesis, which are golfs are the biggest addicts in the world, biggest addicts on the planet. I see people. I live near a golf course. There's a siren that goes off, like when there's a a lightning storm coming. Uh, I look outside to see where the lightning storm is. There are these giant black clouds and there are people like not in a hurry golfing. Screw it. It's cold. Like the sun comes out in the dead of winter and it's 47 degrees. People are out there golfing. 47, 27. People are itching. People golf with people they don't even like to golf. Mm -hmm. Like y'all are addicts and it's okay. Everybody has something, but golf is an addiction. People spend $2,500 a year on equipment to be better golfers, but mm. they're usually not. And golfers. usually not. And people look at me and, and they're like, why do you gamble? Like that's money. I, at least when I gamble, I can hit the WinBet app while I'm sitting with my kids. You have to leave the house for six hours and pay to access a course. You said this, $2,500 on equipment. How about lessons? How about you know country club fees? Greens Shit like fees. Greens fees. Greens they're just making fees. up fees, dude. Greens fees. What about why there are no fairways? They're making fees? up fees, dude. Sand you can't trap make up fees. fees you dude. get a cart. Pond you get a fees. cart. You're drinking beer. Anyways, golf's an addiction. You're all addicted. And I retired from golf the other day officially. Did you see that? No. Uh, I retired from golf officially. So if anybody asks me if I want to play a round of golf, I've retired. You would actually get out there and play a little golf. No, nah, I've retired. Um, test. You know who else retired? This I'll give you a good. I'm gonna put this as a good. Is Malcolm Jenkins after 13 seasons? Yeah. Um, ton of great accolades in his career uh, with the Saints and with the Eagles. Uh, multiple time Super Bowl champion, Pro Bowler. Um, I, more than anything, just just a great football player, man. Like like Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, he just did everything really well. Like he just did everything really well. He tackled really well. Um, he was really smart. Uh, he had great ball skills. Uh, he was just a guy you could trust on the field. You know, like, sure, he made some mistakes like all of us, but he was more often than not the guy that was making sure nobody fucked up. And when we were in Philly, we had a, a lot of young uh, defensive backs on that Super Bowl team. And he was definitely a guy that doesn't get enough credit. I mean, Obviously, everybody knows he's one of the biggest leaders on the team, but I think for a guy like him, when veterans come in and get a lot of, oh, this infusion of veteran, like there was veteran talent on that team. Malcolm Jenkins, there was veteran leadership on that team. Malcolm Jenkins was was not only one of the best players on the field that we had, but also one of the best leaders that we had, period. And he was responsible for what was essentially, no shade, a daycare center. These guys were young, dude. And this is the position that can lose you a game any given play. So I think the stakes are always so high and it's so nice to have kind of that center fielder back there who can come down in the box too. And, you know, used to come over to D-Line Indy when we'd be working on our pass rush drills and he would literally try to hop in our drills. And so he was always thinking about the little things, like the little aspects of the game that he can improve 
including something like that one or two plays a game when Jim Schwartz fires up a blitz and I'm coming from, you know, five yards off the ball, uh, am I going to be able to, you know, kind of hone my skills to where I cut off fractions of time and get to the, the, the quarterback? That'd be like me every day going over and working on my drops for the two plays of the game that I zone drop or something. Now, I know he has to do that more than two plays a game maybe, but this guy was really on his details. He really was. And so as a teammate, I appreciate him. As a football player, I appreciate him. Um, and as a friend, I appreciate him. Great dude, man. When I talk to Malcolm, I tell him I love him. I mean it. We did something special together. But it's good because the world is better with Malcolm Jenkins off the football field than on it. And it's pretty good with Malcolm on the football field. But I think he's going to do a lot now in this chapter of his life uh, that's going to make the world a better place. He's already doing that. But he's got more time to do it right now, and the work he does off the field in the social justice arena um, has been really second to none when, it, when you talk about football players, and there's a lot of great ones uh, that have lent their time to causes outside football. He's done a great job. So congratulations on a great career for Malk. 13 years, um, awesome, awesome football player and a, and, a, and a great friend. Did he ever get that rash cleared up? That was fucking epic, dude. I got him so good before the double doink game. Mic'd up. I used to have this joke. That was the double doink game. It was a double doink game. Wow. You see, you see where a lot of people just say locker room guy. You. I'm really about keeping it light, dude. Like we're getting ready to play a huge football game. Anyways, I used to hit guys with this joke whenever I knew they were mic'd up. I'd come up and ask them if their rash had cleared up. You know, because it gets caught on the microphone. And uh, Malcolm incredulously was just like, I really don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. We're getting ready to go out for coin toss. He's getting ready to go out for coin toss. So, no, I'm mic'd up. Oh, okay. Did you get that rash cleared up? The one that you were asking me about, like the topical ointment, the, the one right next to your. <laughs> That's the highlight of my relationship with Malcolm, probably, was, was absolutely taking him to school on the mic. Have you have you gotten your rash cleared up? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you know, you said no. Uh, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. I don't know. There, there is no good way to to answer that question, dude. There's no good way to answer that question, which is why it's a, a good way to go. Here you go. I have you seen a couple play, players try to? We just touched by accident. You've seen a couple <laughs> players try to do that. Yeah, a lot of they've tried. A lot have tried to replicate yeah. that. Yeah. Where do you guys put the throwback Kelly Green Eagles jerseys? Good. Does that mean they're going back to them like full time no, or are sir. they just doing no, it? Sir. Just no, doing sir. It's, an it's amazing. Appearances. It's mm. amazing. That's that's like coming up to somebody who like desperately needs a home and being like, Hey, coming in twenty twenty three, two nights a week, we're gonna <laughs> give you a home. The uh, like, like dude. I, I desperately need those Kelly Green. Well, baby uniforms. steps, baby steps. No, there doesn't need to be baby steps. I agree with you, but baby steps. Jeffrey Laurie tried to keep calling it uh, Eagles Green too. He kept going, Kelly Green, Eagles Green, Kelly Green. Show Ireland was around before the Philadelphia Eagles. He did say that they would be identical to the Randall Cunningham. So they're not just going to do the color and do something else. There's going to be the crazy eagle with the football and its freaking talons. Be. Yeah, there it'll be, be great. There fucking should be. Dude. And they're going to go black helmet disc coming year. Yeah, that's better. black because, jersey, black. Because it always like, it was like a, a tease. It was like, yeah. Like that. You got that picture right there. They yeah, we're, a, in, we're, we're wearing black and we took our helmets off for the picture, not just because... Because they were green. Because they're green. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. 
So, and that's an NFL problem. Only now are they going to allow two different color lids. Yeah. Well, the NFL needs to fucking Relax. figure it out. Yeah. Yep. Figure it out. Bevel Conway. I'll put that as a good for sure. Yeah. It's a great. Here's a bad. I read somewhere, and maybe it's not the case anymore. I didn't think we were allowed to call former presidents former presidents. I think you're supposed to respectfully always call them president, or as he likes to refer to himself, the 45th president. But this guy, damn, if he wasn't such a bad guy, he'd be hilarious. He oh. goes out and plays golf and uh, allegedly... Well, that's what he on. was before before he was president, before he... He had the power to fuck the world up. Right. Like people, everybody, did, they didn't love Donald Trump. They just kind of were like, I am entertained by that person. He was one of Howard Stern's most colorful guests. So, yeah, everybody that pretends like they just, you know, they used, you, people used to hang out with him. So here's a statement. I think from the guy the, fucking sucks. And sorry if you're here for NASCAR and you like Donald Trump. <laughs> I, we, I, like, listen, dude. I, I got nothing against you or your way of life or NASCAR or fucking country music or drinking beer or shotguns. I just don't like Donald Trump. I think he's a total piece of shit. Quote, many people are asking, so I'll give it to you now. It is 100% true. While playing with the legendary golfer Ernie Els, winner of four majors and approximately 72 other tournaments throughout the world, approximately. Like he had his stats and info guy on how many tournaments Ernie's won. Uh-huh. And like, ah. Ballpark. Ballpark. And some other people. I made a hole-in-one. It took place at Trump International Golf Club in West Palm Beach, Florida on the seventh hole, which was playing 181 yards into a slight wind. I hit a five iron, which sailed magnificently into a rather strong wind Mm. with approximately five feet of cut, whereupon it bounced twice and then went clank into the hole. So uh, there's a slight wind. Mm -hmm. He hits the ball. And then there's a rather strong one. It's wind. called a gust. So you're 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 giving them benefit of the doubt. No, there. I'm just saying like there's like there's because I'll stand with you on the dumbass shitbag corner. He's, <laughs> he's a total shitbag. He's just uh, he, but we're talking about he the, lies the, about. Things. I mean, he's yeah, he lies about everything. But you know, it's pretty bold to lie about a hole in one in front of a bunch of people. I don't think he's lying about this, but the wind going from slight to significant oh, in yeah. a matter of a second. Yeah, it's questionable. Anyway, there's a lot of chatter about it. Yeah, I was hearing about it from several people. Not. <laughs> Quite exciting, and people everywhere seem to be asking for the facts. Playing with that group of what wonderful, the talented facts? players was a lot of fun. The match was Ernie and me with no strokes against Gene, Mike, and Ken. I won't tell you who won because I'm a very modest individual, and you will then say I was bragging, and I don't like people who brag. <laughs> That's a statement from a real person. Yeah, we just can't have the entertain me button so close to the lead the free world button. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because everything was fine when, it, when we were hitting the entertain me button. And that's also something to tell you about society. Society, and I'm not the, one of these like inherently political people like part, in a partisan sense, but society will, will totally tolerate somebody and all their fuckery. And then the minute, you know, the... I, Donald Trump, I'm pretty sure if I was ever around him at any point, I'd think he was a scumbag. But when he's doing a reality show with Snoop Dogg or he's like, you know, hanging out with Martha, why am I in the Snoop Dogg, Martha Stewart, Bermuda Triangle? Did they all collaborate on something? Is that like a Freudian slip on my part? Um, Maybe they were on The Apprentice, like Celebrity Apprentice or something? Yeah, like when he's saying you're fired, everybody's like, ha ha, the guy's a fucking lunatic. Or when he's like, I'd like to 
hook up with my daughter. Like, oh, this guy's a fun time, a little weird, but <laughs> interesting, entertaining. It's just a fuck. We live in a simulation, dude. We live in a simulation. Ugly. With March Madness coming up this weekend. Big conclusion. We've got a big conclusion. In fact, when you're listening to this, it's April. Happy April. Yep, happy April. Oh, shit. Should I do the ad read right now? Yeah. Okay. We're going to do an ad read to break it up. Is this where you wanted it? Okay. And just off the top of my head. Greenlight Pod is a family podcast. We're a local podcast. That's why we support local businesses. Donuts, bakery. It's bakery. What the fuck you? Hold on fuck a second. Off. Hold on a second. No. All right. I already just figured it out because it's April 1st. So fuck you and fuck your joke. Bleep the fucking name. Nice try. Fuck yourselves. <laughs> I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to see what all the hype was about. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash greenlight. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash greenlight to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thank you.